Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This is the Rusk Report, a program that takes an inside look at Western New York with news, features, and special guests. Now, here's your host, Brian Rusk. Welcome to the Rusk Report on ESPN AM 1520, blanketing 17 states and much of Canada as we've been on the air and have received letters as far away as Scandinavia and New Zealand for the past 30 years. Back by popular demand, we have Edward F. Cox with us, former New York State Republican Committee chairman, son-in-law of former President Richard Milhouse Nixon, and I'd like to tell you a little bit about him. He's a corporate and finance lawyer, and he's been... uh, preceded by Joseph Mandelo as state chairman, uh, and then uh, Nick Langworthy took his place. His full name is Edward Ridley Finch Cox, and uh, he's been an active uh, fixture, a a strong leader of the Republican Party for uh, decades. Let's uh, talk a little bit, Ed, about what perhaps was the most famous wedding in American history in the Rose Garden and we're now talking 50 years ago. I can't believe it was 50 years ago. Oh, yeah. Well, it's good to be with you again on your on your radio show, Brian. And, yeah, no, it's our 50th anniversary coming up on June 12th. We're going to commemorate it out at the uh, Nixon Library in Yorba Linda, where President Nixon was born and brought up, uh, Yorba Linda, California, at the library there. And we're going to celebrate, though, at the same time, the, all the things that the library did for the Orange County community around it, the people who led the blood drives that happened at the library, the food banks that happened at the library, uh, the million masks that they passed out, that the library passed out to the community around it, with the masks that were donated to the library. So it's going to be a celebration, all those who serve the people of uh, of the area around the library uh, during the uh, during the pandemic, uh, and uh, also we'll commemorate our 50th anniversary, our golden anniversary, at the same time. Now, your wife, I understand, has done a lot for the libraries in New York City. Why is she so passionate about education and learning? Well, it is something that her father was very passionate about. It's the great equalizer. It's what uh, makes our country great, and uh, it's important that we keep our educational institutions very strong. 
and uh, I love her for doing it. She's just wonderful what she's done in done in in in, in that in that area, and uh, and uh, of course uh, the what we've done with charter schools and things like that in New York. These are the kinds of reforms that are needed in order to keep our education system strong. Very good. Well, congratulations. I can't believe 50 years, half a century, uh, married to a lovely woman, and um, the daughter Love of— Love her more than ever on our 50th anniversary. We have a while the, while the pandemic uh, obviously had a terrible impact, just being together here. I didn't work at the office, worked from home. And it's been a wonderful year. From that point of view, we had a chance to spend just a, every day together, and it's just been wonderful. Wonderful. Well, she seems to uh, show a lot of class and elegance. I met her once, and a uh, very distinguished lady. Um, let's talk about Andrew Cuomo. Um, here's a man who allegedly has... Uh, perhaps a little blood on his hands with 15,000 lives of people who had COVID who were forced into the nursing homes instead of using the ship in New York and the Javits Center. Um, Perhaps he didn't want to make... Yeah, And and he kept it hidden. He kept saying, oh, there are only 6,000 deaths and there are only 6,000 deaths. Meanwhile, uh, he was being celebrated as a hero for his uh, his uh, daily uh, uh, press interviews and talking about the virus and uh, having so few deaths in the nursing, only 6,000. And then the attorney general did a, a survey of nursing homes and came out, no, no, it was a lot more than 6,000. And, uh, and during that interval, when he was hiding that fact that there are many more deaths, uh, during that interval, he went out and uh, as the, uh, he received an Emmy Award for his performances, and he got $4 million for an advance on a book about how, what a great job he did. Uh, with respect to the virus. And then when this all came out, it, it was clear that there was a real problem, that he had, in fact, his staff at least, had lied to the Justice Department when they inquired about the nursing homes. And then the Government Justice Center uh, did a freedom of information law a suit with respect to his health department, and they found that, in fact, 15,000 elderly people died because of what he did with respect to for a period of six weeks while the virus was raging in in new york the most vulnerable people the elderly he insisted that they had to accept without testing uh people who were infected with with the virus to go into the nursing homes because the hospitals were crowded and yet as you said there were the Javits Center had had empty beds ready to take COVID, and the big hospital ship that was sent here by uh, by President Trump was was empty. He could have used those, but he didn't. He didn't, and he persisted for six weeks in doing that, and that's when the death took off. And he and he hid that from uh, the federal investigators. He hid it from the Attorney General. And now he's got real problems, in addition to his problems with the treatment of women employees, young women. Uh, and that exploded at the same time. And he's now got four different investigations going on.
going on. An impeachment investigation is being done by the prestigious Davis Polk law firm, and they've done 70 interviews so far. Uh, and there certainly are the votes to impeach him in the assembly. That includes Democrats as well as Republicans. And then there are two going on with the attorney general with respect to his $4 million book contract and, uh, and with respect to, uh, again, uh, the, with respect to his uh, uh, abuse, with respect to women who, who are employees uh, of, of his, and then the Justice Department <coughs> doing investigation as to whether or not it was lied to. So uh, he's got some real issues, some real problems, and it's doubtful if he's certainly that he's going to be able to run for a fourth term but also, uh, as these investigations quickly come to an end, he could have some huge, huge problems. For example, the votes are there to impeach him, and if Speaker Hasty lets the vote go to the floor, he will be impeached. Under the New York Constitution, Kathy Hochul, the lieutenant governor from western New York, will then become, will have all the powers of the governorship devolve upon her while he is, in fact, uh, his trial in the Senate is going on. It's different from the federal Constitution. Uh, so uh, that, that would be, uh, make it very difficult for him going forward to have someone else exercising all his powers as governor, which Kathy Hochul would do. Well, we're going to talk more about that in just a moment. Again, we're very honored to have the former chair of the New York State Republican Committee for uh, 10 years, Edward F. Cox, with us, son-in-law of President Richard Nixon. And uh, just a plug here, ESPN 1520 is streaming. You can listen live by going to our website, ESPN 1520.com and clicking on the radio.com or listen tab. And Western New Yorkers love their traditions, and the Ampol Legal has been writing about Polish-American traditions and events for over 50 years. News and features from a Polish-American perspective can be found in this weekly newspaper, as well as recipes and a calendar of events. Don't miss out on the next cultural presentation or polka dance by reading the Ampol Legal. The Ampol Legal is available in many tops and Wegman stores for home delivery call 716-835-9454 that's 716-835-9454 to get the latest news from Poland and Polonia in your mailbox each each week i'd like to thank uh, B Kaiser author in Palm Beach Florida who has a new book coming out now um, thank you uh, to our guests for calling us about that and ambassador Ronald Gidwitz uh, former ambassador to the European Union and Belgium, who uh, Ed Cox knows. And uh, thank you to those who called regarding Chris Jacobs, congressman on the show. We'll have coming on Lou Knott, who's the president of CalSpan, talking about their 75th anniversary. A little background on Ed Cox. He was born to Howard Ellis Cox and Ann Crane Delafield Finch Cox in Southampton, Hospital in Southampton, New York. He attended West Hampton Beach Elementary School and Allen Stevenson School in New York City. Cox is named for his grandfather, Judge Edward R. Finch, a prominent New York jurist who served as a justice of the state Supreme Court from 1915 to 43, presiding justice of New York Supreme Court Appellate Division, First Department, and associate judge on the New York Court of Appeals. His father, Howard Ellis Cox, was a decorated World War II aviator, New York lawyer, and Long Island real estate developer. A very prominent, well-regarded family, and it's great to have Ed Cox 
former chair of the New York State Republican Committee on the program today, now celebrating his 50th wedding anniversary. Now let's talk a little bit more about the chances of Andrew Cuomo resigning. He seemed to have refused. Now one of the reports came out of one of the young women that he asked to his private residence for help with his cell phone, and then uh, apparently he was physically groping uh, this young lady. It was more than one. It's sort of a device. Uh, So I guess Uh, there are nine different women? Nine, I believe. Well, there are, there are apparently more that are now, because of the pro- investigation that's going on by the Davis-Boke law firm, more have come in to talk with them. And more, more than nine women. More, uh, more than nine. That, 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 although they have not publicly said anything, they are giving evidence to Davis-Boke. He's going to have some real problems on, uh, on, uh, on the, the women issue, definitely. All right. Now, what about Hochul? Uh, she's from Buffalo, New York. She was a congresswoman. What are the chances that she's going to be appointed to his position, Ed Cox? Well, it's very interesting. There, there is a group in the, the among the Democrats in the legislature who really would rather have Tish James be the successor to Andrew Cuomo as the Democratic nominee. And they might stretch the whole process out insofar as they can control and certainly she is the attorney general. She has two investigations going on. Hasty can control the impeachment process. And if it comes out rather late, then in, in 2022, in next year, the results of it, then he could finish his term and, uh, without being impeached. And Kathy Hochul would not be, the, in essence, exercising the gubernor or gubernatorial powers, and that would permit uh, Tish James, who's from New York City, uh, to be have a better chance of being the candidate of the Democratic Party. Well, if, if in the impeachment process were to happen sooner, let's say in the next couple of months, and uh, Andrew Cuomo were impeached, then under the state constitution, while he is undergoing his trial in the Senate, Kathy Hochul would have all the powers of being the governor of New York State, and uh, and then certainly if he's convicted, she as lieutenant governor would become the governor, and that would give her the the lead uh, to be the uh, for the first time have an upstate uh, uh, governor on, who would be on the Democratic ticket. Uh, and would have a good shot of winning the gubernatorial nomination. So even though it'd be a tough fight, because a lot, the Democratic power is really downstate uh, in New York City. Uh, the question is, why don't we hear from these liberal women's groups uh, condemning Andrew oh, Cuomo? Yeah. I, I don't understand why they don't find it offensive. You're saying over nine women uh, have yeah. been harassed sexually by the governor. So why don't these women's groups speak out and condemn this well, the, behavior? Well, they because they're they're democratic oriented and they use it as a partisan tool with respect to Republicans. When, but uh, but they don't like to use it on Democrats. It's a very simple partisan thing. Uh, if the uh, the Democratic Party is pro-choice. These groups are pro-choice. And uh, and uh, they are much more supportive of Democratic candidates and 
uh, and when they have a problem uh, with respect to the Me Too movement, they're strangely quiet. But when it's a Republican, they're in full partisan voice, uh, just claiming, of course, to be nonpartisan. Yep, very unusual. Now let's uh, switch uh, the topic to uh, China. Um, it's a sort of a messy situation there where they have a couple million people in uh, prison or work labor camps who are against the communist system. And I never hear the Biden administration condemn uh, this uh, horrible situation where people's rights are stripped and they're yeah. imprisoned and with no freedoms. Uh, isn't that terrible? Well, you know, this is a history that I lived because uh, I went with President Nixon to China, uh, including in 1979, just as the uh, Mao had passed in the, in 76, and uh, China realized that his policies took them in the wrong direction, and we met with, with Deng Xiaoping, who ran China then, and he, <laughs> this little fellow bouncing up and down in his Mao suit, but he realized that the entrepreneurial spirit of the Chinese people had to be unleashed if China was to get out of its uh, dreary Maoist uh, uh, past. And uh, he looked at Taiwan, he looked at Hong Kong, he looked at Singapore, how they were prospering, and uh, the Chinese leadership uh, uh, decided they had to to get very pragmatic. It's glorious to be rich, he said. doesn't matter what color of the cat is as long as it catches mice, and away it went. And uh, then they joined the World Trade Organization in, uh, in 2001, and their economy really took up. But the problem was the inevitable problem where there is a communist party, and I think the people of Eastern Europe or Poland would understand this very Absolutely. well. They don't give up. They don't give up power willingly, and they realize as there got to be billionaires and and the company, and people the middle class grew that that growing economic power threatened their political power, and uh, they uh, they selected as the chairman of the party the president of the of the country, uh, Mr. Mr. Xi Jinping, who reexerting the power of the Communist Party. Uh, on all these growing entrepreneurial businesses, uh, and the uh, the result has been a tightening on the economy, uh, a dampening, a, a huge damper on the growth of the of the Chinese economy. They say it's growing at six percent. It had been growing at thirteen, fourteen percent under Deng's policies and his two successors. But, uh, but under the present president who came to power in 2012, as the party tightened its control over businesses, the growth is below 2% over the last several years. That's the best estimate of the people I talk to, both inside China and outside. And the result, uh, the result is that they are really in trouble in a sense that the people of China, the deal is they have economic growth. And uh, and they uh, the exchange for that the Communist Party can stay in power so they're tightening their grip uh, certainly on people that Uyghurs as you mentioned in Western China uh, but also uh, with respect to Chinese businesses Mr Jack Ma they just uh, he was about to do one of the biggest public offerings ever 
mm-hmm. getting too powerful, so they kill that public offering, and now they're splitting up his business. And meanwhile, they're putting communists. There always were communist cells in the various businesses of any size, but under uh, under their previous policies, as they grew those cells, helped the uh, the companies grow. And now they're going the other way. They're helping the uh, the Communist Party control the businesses. It's a real damper on their business, and they've probably reached their peak, which makes them dangerous. They're looking at the chip-making capacity of Taiwan. They're saying, we really, Taiwan's a part of China. We're going to take it over. Uh, and they're, they're planning to do that, either by bluff or by actual invasion. Uh, it's getting to be a very dangerous situation there. They, uh, they are threatening uh, countries that criticize them at all. Uh, they've cut off buying lamb from New Zealand. They've cut off buying iron ore and wheat from Australia and wine from Australia. Uh, they're u- utilizing their mm-hmm. economic base in order to prevent criticism from around the world. Meanwhile, they are using their, their Belt and Road Initiative in order to get control over ports or across the Indian Ocean. So it, it's a really very dangerous situation, and it's something that the Trump administration was really on top of and changed the, the policies of uh, the Obama-Biden administration from seeing China as a partner uh, to seeing China as a strategic competitor and per- perhaps enemy that we have to certainly be very careful about. They stole our jobs. Uh, with their cheap labor and stealing our technology. Uh, they export their their political problems to the United States by having a growing economy, by taking away our jobs with their cheap labor and with the stolen technology. So uh, it, it, it certainly had an impact on our economy and our policy, particularly in the Rust Belt. And, uh, and uh, they are the one really large economy in the world uh, that is not an ally of, uh, of ours. Uh, the economies that grew out there, Taiwan and China, and Taiwan, excuse me, and Japan and South Korea, uh, these were all in, in Hong Kong under British control. They were all basically allies of the United States, uh, as, as was the European uh, economies. But this is one very strong economy that sees as growing its military power and wants to push the United States out of Eastern Asia. Uh, that's a, a very dangerous situation. We're going to talk in just a moment more about China and the relationship with the Biden administration. If you're listening in Cheektowaga, Montreal, or Washington, D.C., drop us a note. Please write to Brian Rusk, ESPN Radio, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York, 14226. We always greet cards and letters from our Canadian and European listeners as we have 50,000 watts of clear channel power blanketing 17 states and much of Canada. A little bit more information about Edward Cox. He graduated from Princeton University, Woodrow Wilson School of Public and International Affairs, and Harvard Law School. Cox was battalion commander of his Army ROTC unit at Princeton, where he put together and accredited a seminar on war. He completed officer in airborne training at Fort Benning, Georgia. A great leader, 
of the Republican Party in New York State and nationally, and son-in-law of former President Richard Milhouse Nixon. Let's uh, talk about this cozy relationship uh, with the White House and China, and we've all read about Hunter Biden, the son of the president, and his involvement uh, being highly paid, millions and millions of dollars from the Chinese Communist government. Isn't this a, a bad relationship for America? Ed Cox. Yeah, uh, Brian, that was a, it should have been an issue during the 2020 presidential campaign, but none of the major news organizations picked up on it. They put a blackout on it, and uh, the social media, Twitter, they banned it. <laughs> the mm-hmm. New York Post did a major front-page story, and they banned the New York Post story, which was absolutely true and proven this tr- uh, to be true. And the follow-up with Mr. Bobolinsky, no one interviewed him except for uh, the Post and Fox News, and it turned out his story was absolutely right, that, that, uh, that former Vice President Biden was expecting to get a cut of the deal that, uh, that uh, Hunter Biden had entered into with a Chinese uh, uh, private equity fund where he didn't put any money in, but he got an interest in it, and he was really just lending the Biden name to it. And the, and the funds in that private equity group were used to fund some of the military advanced technology things that were going on in China. So it was a very bad situation. It was a real conflict that should have been a part of the campaign. Uh, there were, in polls that were later done, people said, yeah, if they had known that, they wouldn't have voted for, for candidate Biden. Um, so it had a real impact. And unfortunately, when the mainstream media, the Washington Post, the New York Times, and NBC, uh, and, uh, and CNN, and the social media all decide there's going to be a blackout on news that's important for voters to hear, it has a real impact on our elections. We had on this uh, show the Rusk Report probably 10 times General Vernon Walters, who was uh, Nixon's favorite general. And There's he, a great man. He a was a wonderful man. man. And he <laughs> spoke used, seven languages, Brian. Yeah, a wonderful, brilliant, gifted man. And he said he briefed seven presidents, but the only president who briefed him on foreign affairs was Richard Milhouse Nixon. That uh, was, uh, yeah, he was, uh, yes, my father-in-law was a, he was uh, kept up on everything, traveled the world uh, before being president, during president, after being president. And uh, it was uh, just a joy to be with him. And then every time we were with him on weekends, I learned a lot about what was going on in the world. Yeah, let's talk about his legacy. It's now the 50th anniversary of the Nixon Library. You're going to be there for the festivities with your lovely wife, Tricia. Uh, let's talk about his legacy. We have a minute left. Well, he, he always, he's only president post-World War II, actually going way back, but longer than that, who never had one house under the control of his party during his administration. And it resulted in a lot of compromises that produced good environmental laws, good uh, worker safety laws, things that the country needed, but they was done in a rational way that made sense. And uh, so he has a real legacy of domestic accomplishments uh, that uh, while people think of him as a foreign policy president, he actually has domestic accomplishments that endure to this day. 
Yeah, I'm sorry we have to bring the Rusk Report to a close. We've learned a great deal from a, la- a man who has led the Republican Party in New York State. He has been a national Republican leader, leader Ed Cox, son-in-law of former President Richard Nixon. Thank you to Kevin Carr, our director of production for the last 15 years. He's done an excellent job. And thank you for teaching us and enlightening us, Ed Cox. You've been listening to The Rusk Report, a program that takes an inside look at the Western New York community with news, features, and special guests. If you have any comments or suggestions, please write to Brian Rusk, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Amherst, New York, 14226. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.